Welcome back to episode 186 of the Blockrunner podcast. Here is where we discuss the latest developments in cryptocurrency while we make this new technology relatable to you. You can watch this podcast on our YouTube channel and follow along with our discussion. Another way to stay up to date is by signing up to our newsletter at theblockrunner.com. As always, I'm your host, William, talking with your co-host, Iman, and today we bring you Danny Yang, co-founder and CEO of OnChain Monkeys and Metagood. Here's some of the topics we discussed today. First up, Danny goes over his origin story on how he got into Web3. Next, Danny discusses recent developments in the Ordinals ecosystem, including the increasing fees and potential issues with Bitcoin. Then we ask what Metagood is up to. And finally, Danny reveals his feelings on the future of Web3. All right, let's listen in. Welcome back to another episode of the Block Runner Podcast. I'm your host, William, always here with your co-host, I-Man. going on, dude? And on the sticks, we got TJ. Hello. And finally, joining us today, we got Danny Yang. He's the co-founder of OnChain Monkey, Metagood. Welcome back, dude. Hey, guys. Great to be here. All right, dude. So, uh, well, actually, so we were trying to have this podcast last, or this recording last Friday, but we had a little technical difficulties. In <laughs> nature, dude. A, a lot has happened <laughs> over the last uh, couple of days in the Ordinals ecosystem. Yeah, for sure. I think there's definitely like a, a ramping up happening. Like a lot of, Yeah, across all ecosystems within the Ordinals yeah. space, I guess. So definitely a lot to Refer talk to about. The fees, too. Yeah, the yeah. fees. Yeah. Picking up. Yeah, which is something we were, I think that was like the last thing we were kind of getting into a bit before like the blackout occurred. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of like your predictions or, so we'll get to that. And maybe not predictions, but like you're, you're, you have like a gut hunch, I'm sure, like mm. the rest of us do. At some point, most likely we're going to end up breaking Bitcoin or something yeah. along those lines. So how do we react and what are we going to do in that scenario? Yeah. And before we get into like the, the deep yeah. stuff, uh, apparently Danny, you've been spending uh, the last decade in Bitcoin. Yeah. And so we want to learn a little bit more about that. So could you give us a little bit about your background and how you got, got into Bitcoin so early on? Sure. Yeah. Happy to, uh, I guess many years ago I, I got my computer science, uh, PhD at Stanford, and I was really into basically you know, artificial intelligence, AI and big data mm. and you know, what, what you know, data technologies you know enable in, in the world, and also I, 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 you know, being in Silicon Valley, I, I got the kind of the, you know, startup entrepreneur bug. So I was doing startups for a number of years. Um, I actually finished Stanford back in two thousand five, so this is before for Bitcoin. But while I was at Stanford, also I, I met um, one of my my good friends. You know, Bobby was a Stanford alum, and we were you know classmates at Stanford, and he's also you know the brother of Charlie Lee. So the three of us used to, you know, hang out. This was during the dot-com boom days, actually, um, you know, pre pre Bitcoin, mm -hmm. and and then when Bitcoin, I guess, you know, surfaced, uh, you know, a couple years later, uh, kind of Charlie was the one who got into it first. Um, then you know he got his brother into it. They were mining Bitcoin, and of course Charlie, you know, created Litecoin. And then Bobby wanted to start a cryptocurrency exchange, and actually. Around the same time, I started mine. So basically, um, I started a Bitcoin exchange in 2013. It's called MyCoin, M-A-I-C-O-I-N. And it's, you know, today it's doing well. It's the largest crypto company in Taiwan. It's based out of Taiwan. Because uh, back back in 2013, actually, there was also very, like, like the thing you cared about for Bitcoin then was, I mean, well, Bitcoin was the main thing, was how do you, 
you know, buy and sell Bitcoin with fiat, mm -hmm. right? And kind of challenge for, for Bitcoin even today is, well, you know, how do you work with the banks and the regulators on the fiat side of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so in Taiwan, we had, you know, good connections with, with the banks there. So that's, that's why we, we launched from there and it's been, you know, doing well since then. I started another crypto company, also focused on Bitcoin initially called Bloxier Analyzing. So again, one of my passions is actually, you know, data, data science, AI. So analyzing, you know, Bitcoin, this public ledger, right, of transactions, and that was Bloxier. So we're one of the early and first, um, you know, Bitcoin analytics companies to, to help, you know, look at what's happening, you know, on this public network. And then also when Ethereum launched, we, we did the same for Ethereum. So, you know, basically you say we were kind of the first explorers we, we actually made one of the first explorers for ethereum back when it launched and i sold that company in 2018 and then uh basically you know two and a half years ago i started the current you know company medigood basically focused on you know well tokens in general are actually a great tool for for networking like building the, they, the network is very powerful you know building a community like, you know we, we are part we're all part of the bitcoin community yeah right that's the kind of the biggest you know crypto network and then ethereum also um was created actually you know kind of you could say splintered off from bitcoin for for its reasons which is you know to create a kind of smart contracting network mm -hmm. uh, and that enabled things like you know erc20 erc721 uh, but now the exciting thing is well ordinals mm -hmm. has added power back to, you know, kind of the original network and, you know, my interest in kind of creating, so Medica, this current company is, you know, well, how, how can we, you know, leverage crypto, you know, to empower networks and empower communities mm. and, you know, on chain monkey as, you know, one, one, um, one of these, but also in terms of art, right. Art is actually really interesting. Art is also, you know, kind of community driven thing, right. What, what art people like. And, you know, crypto art is this new thing, you know, on blockchains mm -hmm. and, you know, it, you know, it took hold on Ethereum, right? The last couple of years. And now it's starting to take hold on, on Bitcoin mm -hmm. via Bitcoin Ordinals, right? This, this new protocol for, you know, digital artifact, which is this new medium, you know, for art on, on Bitcoin. And actually it's broader than that. And it ties into many things, including, I mean, um, on, you know, on the block runner podcast, you guys talk a lot about the different, you know, aspects. Of, of ordinals right so mm -hmm. yeah great to be here to discuss these things yeah that's great um you know i i'm curious back in 2013 and uh, when um you know you you and the guys were like looking into bitcoin and talking about litecoin and all that did you guys have a background in cryptography to to allow you to quickly like you know jump into this ecosystem yeah, that's a great question so 2013 so going back to i guess also building community i also started the Stanford Bitcoin meetup back in 2013 mm -hmm. to, you know, build community around, you know, Bitcoin and it's, you know, who do you attract, you know, back then? Actually, it's mostly the, basically the early entrepreneurs and the mm -hmm. tech folks, like who started actually many of the, you know, Bitcoin companies you know of today and some that have gone out of business. Uh, so it, it is very much, I, I would say, I would say, you know, tech heavy, um, whether you, you understand you know, networking or, or, you know, some of the crypto things. Mm -hmm. um, what, what is actually re really uh, nice about Bitcoin or elegant is that the white paper is very short mm -hmm. and actually very accessible by anyone who spends time to read it. You don't need to be a you know, crypto expert to understand how 
you know, Bitcoin, UTXOs, the, the transaction, the Bitcoin transaction and the blockchain works. Like the, the high level ideas are actually, uh, pretty, pretty clear. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's actually not till Ethereum came out with the yellow paper that you kind of need to be really technical to understand, you know, how Ethereum and the yellow paper, uh, works. Mm -hmm. So I would argue that, you know, Bitcoin, you don't need to be, um, to get to the level of actually doing something, you don't need to be the cryptographer. However, the PSBTs and like all the different signatures are actually um, also the power of Bitcoin. So there you do need, you know, some, sure. some depth in cryptography. Yeah. The reason why I ask is because I remember first hearing about Bitcoin sometime between 2012 and 2013, and I blew it off just as most people did. Uh, whenever you learn something new, you, you kind of tend to blow it off. And uh, not until I had a good understanding of cryptography, public and private key, like how all that stuff works. Mm -hmm. That's when I had conviction, like completely, like 100% conviction in, in the value of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And so I was just curious is if um, you, I guess you either have to have like an economic understanding of like the value of Bitcoin that that's outside of like the technical bounds mm -hmm. to really have that conviction. And so that's why I was asking is like, how did you guys you know, decide to spend time on something that was relatively new and didn't have like clear adoption and, and all that stuff. So oh, totally. Yeah. Very few people use Bitcoin back, back right. then. There, there were interesting stories of kind of the, the first use cases or actually the, how people first even purchase Bitcoin. The funny thing is back in 2013, you could actually go to any Walmart and, and buy Bitcoin uh, at the cash counter where, you know, you do Western union, all those, you know, mm -hmm. um, services and not and obviously you can't do that anymore that didn't last very long but right. it was actually pretty convenient you just go to the cash counter and, and buy some bitcoin right right yeah so so like the origin stories is is interesting in in regards to like our follow-up questions in uh with ordinals and and how you were able to so contribute so deeply into like the development of the ordinals ecosystem in terms of like recursive um and and all the stuff that you came up with so i was just Wondering, you know, what, what is it about the ordinals like development, um, that Casey came up with, what was it about that, that really enabled like this whole kind of resurgence of building on Bitcoin, um, again? Yeah. I say go back to your earlier point about, you know, just having some conviction that th this thing is something of significance and it then spend a lot of you know time and effort on it. And when the idea first surfaced, it, it actually made a lot of sense that so, so Bitcoin, this blockchain, you know, it's the most, you know, decentralized and valuable, you know, you know, blockchain, but it only was used to secure and store Bitcoin, a fungible token, right? There wasn't, um, this is going to be a use case outside of that. Uh, but you see on other blockchains, especially on Ethereum, you see that, you know, people want to secure many other digital assets, right? Both fungible and non-fungible assets, you know, on blockchains and and here, you know, Ornos is a protocol that lets you actually secure digital assets on Bitcoin, you know, the Bitcoin blockchain. Mm -hmm. And that, that's a huge opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you look into the Ornos protocol and see just how it uses the Bitcoin ledger to secure these other digital assets outside of, you know, Bitcoin and fungible token, it's actually very much, you know, both an, it's an elegant and simple design like Bitcoin. And it's actually very Bitcoin native, right? It uses the UTXO model of the the, the Bitcoin ledger to actually secure, you know, other digital assets. So I think that is super powerful and will be used, you know, basically, you know, by, by many, 
many people. And if you want to really store, like people will have high value digital assets to secure, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, and they will use basically you know Bitcoin to do that mm-hmm. in you know in the future, or even now, right? So that's kind of starting point. So we were very much you know on a mission to to you know work you know to further the Ordinals protocol. Mm-hmm. so that, that that can be possible. Did you know that we're more than just a YouTube channel? We also built Mscribe, the first inscription platform built from the ground up for the metaverse on Bitcoin. Connect your bitmap ordinals and use our tools to bring your community into the virtual realm. Support us by joining the movement at mscribe.io. Like, comment, and subscribe for the latest alpha. Back to the video. Okay, so let's talk about OnChain Monkey a little bit and its history on on Ethereum and how it led to, um, I guess, where it's headed towards Bitcoin. Can you take me through the 10K mint that you guys did that was in a single transaction and, and talk a little bit more about like the the technical aspects? Did you, like, um, for example, did you leverage the call data of Ethereum to do that or how did you accomplish that? Sure. So one thing was that, so this is back in 2021 when we launched where we're looking at, you know, working on, you know, th- this collection. So our, our focus, so this is actually going back to the, the point about, you know, digital assets and digital artifacts and, and what it means. So Ethereum, you know, the non-fungible token protocol is the ERC-721, you know, standard. Mm-hmm. And that, that is a digital certificate protocol. So it is not generally used to store digital artifacts or on-chain NFTs. Right, Bitcoin Ornos is is a protocol for digital artifacts or you know, on-chain NFTs. So th- that is a somewhat also a new thing. Um, it actually made total sense for Ethereum to 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 start off with ERC seven twenty one because Ethereum is the the L one smart contract chain, which which hosts every you know like pretty much all sorts of things. Right, ERC twenties, ERC seven twenty. Like it, it didn't. Um, if you try to do everything on-chain on Ethereum. It would just bog the network down, mm-hmm. and a lot of the creative things that were done on Ethereum with ERC seven twenty one would not have been possible at all, right? Many of the creators were able to launch, you know, very cool art on Ethereum in the last, you know, couple of years because they were actually on IPFS or even, you know, on you know centralized servers. The token was traded on Ethereum with the the ERC seven twenty one standard, but the actual, you know, asset was not. So mm-hmm. the, the point of us doing on chain monkey was we actually wanted to. Do it all on chain, right? So it, there weren't any pointers. It's a digital artifact. Uh, this was a relatively new thing mm-hmm. in 2021. Th- there were a few digital artifacts on Ethereum, but they were not particularly popular. And and yeah, people actually didn't. Most people did not even know the difference. They didn't care. Right. Uh, you know, we 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 did care. We also knew that when you do on chain, it bogs down the network, right? So the point of this art, the art of on chain monkey, was well, what can you do that is a whole 10k collection which is also its own art form right 10k collections as you see are very popular right they're in fact the highest value highest traded you know nfts on ethereum right these 10k collections so we want to do a 10k collection that was all on chain as a digital artifact that also did not use a lot of the the storage space on ethereum right so that that's why we want to do a one transaction because mm-hmm. one transaction has severe limits on on basically, you know, what you could do and mm-hmm. sending one transaction will not bog down the Ethereum network. So that was kind of the parameters of, you know, this, the, the Genesis 10K art. And, you know, so within a, basically a transaction could be about 20 million gas. That's kind of upper bound above that. You know, it, it won't be um, processed by, you know, by the miners. Mm-hmm. And, 
yeah, we, we basically fit all that in. And we also wanted to make it an interesting collection. So it wasn't just, well, hey, you know, there's 10,000, um, you know, the, of the same images, or maybe there's just distributions that are just uniform, like, you know, just, just cycle through different variant versions. We want it to be a, a very collectible distribution where some are really rare and then some combinations make interesting patterns. So, so the whole thing was also part of the art that, that is in this, you know, this particular transaction that created the collection. So that, that was the kind of the, the vision for it. And then, you know, we, we launched it on September 11th, 2021. Mm -hmm. It was also a kind of a stealth free mint. Basically I launched it and then I just tweeted it on my Twitter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I was not much of a Twitter user before, mm -hmm. um, this launch, I, I probably had like a few hundred followers, mm -hmm. uh, and then it kind of spread. So what happened, I think about two or three weeks before. So basically this is September and August, I think towards the end of August was when CryptoPunks um, um, did their migration to be on chain. Like CryptoPunks was one of the, I mean, they're the OG 10K mm -hmm. collection, right? That, in, in that art form. Mm -hmm. uh, but when they launched, right, ERC721 didn't even exist. And, and it wasn't on chain. It was basically CryptoPunks, the original smart contract was just a number. Uh, you own a number from you know, in, in that range of 10,000. Mm -hmm. So the, in August of 2021, they actually wrote a new smart contract that recorded all the images on chain. So, you know, I mean, we, we launched, you know, just shortly after with actually a whole collection that's on chain. So I think some of the CryptoPunks me, you know, heard about it and, and they, they minted it. And it's kind of mm -hmm. just by word of mouth it spread. So it, it minted out, I think within a few, the Anchi Monkey collection has a free mint minted out, you know, within a few hours that mm -hmm. day. And, and then, you know, the community kind of just has, has been growing organically, mm -hmm. um, around basically, you know, on-chain monkey, on-chain, um, you know, the on-chain aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So then when Oros came out, it actually made sense also to them. And we, we were educating them who, who are actually primarily a Ethereum community yeah. to learn about Bitcoin, to learn about, you know, possibly Oranos mm -hmm. and how, you know, digital artifacts on Bitcoin can be a, a quite significant thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and last question on, on this whole Ethereum kind of saga here. Um, can you clarify for me where exactly you store these images? I'm, I'm just very curious on like where, where it's stored. Yeah. So this, this is actually kind of the cool thing too, about how th this works, right? You can, you can store individual images or you can actually generate the images, right? So, you know, generative art is about generating a bunch of art from, from basically an algorithm or, or, you know, program. So mm -hmm. the, Images, well, first we use the SVG format because it's also very compact, yet it's, you know, it scales to any resolution. Mm -hmm. But we actually wrote a program. The smart contract on Ethereum is a program that um, basically executes and then returns, you know, programmatically the 10,000 images. So the images individually are not stored, but basically they're, they're created on, on the fly. I see. Gotcha. When you access it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That, that makes more sense. Yeah. Because I wonder, um, like, uh, the underlying motivation to at the time when, well, I guess at the time in 2021 during, um, the, the transition between, uh, crypto punks being, you know, these, uh, these certificates to being on chain, there wasn't a mania yet. Right. And so I think the motivation to going on chain was just purely for like the ethos. Is that correct? Yeah, I think for CryptoPunks, you know, people already valued the art. I mean, CryptoPunks were already quite valuable before mm -hmm. they did this separate smart contract to record it. Mm 
mm-hmm. and and the I mean, the market actually didn't really appreciate on-chain art that much. I mean, there was art blocks. So art blocks actually is kind of the the it's fo- it's focused on art. They also mm-hmm. store it on on chain in the in the way that's possible on Ethereum. Uh, but for the most part of the market for you know Ethereum NFTs, you know you know and, and you know 10k collections you know mo- most of the use the protocol the ERC721 protocol which is you know a, a pointer to either a centralized server or to IPFS mm-hmm. right? so so that wasn't and and because it's done this way as kind of standard it, it's actually hard to tell the difference when you look at an NFT on Ethereum whether it is an artifact or a certificate mm-hmm. so and, and you know the market is new right so it, it's a young market people are kind of learning the, the different use cases of NFTs and the different form factors of uh, NFTs. And so, you know, here, you know, today we're also discussing, you know, the different form factors on different chains and then within the, you know, or across the chains, you know, how NFTs um, are, um, you know, what, what what's the right medium for mm-hmm. any particular, you know, art or NFT. Mm-hmm. And I think what Bitcoin or Nose brings is basically, you know, it's, it's for the, the, the digital artifact, and in particular, you know, the timing of la- launch of Ornos makes sense basically in 2023 uh, because people started understanding, you know, digital artifacts and on-chain NFTs. Mm-hmm. If, if Ornos had launched back in 2021, I don't think um, it would have had that much of a following uh, because, you know, people didn't, uh, the market didn't really exist yet for on-chain NFTs. And also the creators who knew how to do on-chain NFTs there weren't many of them, so there wouldn't have been much activity at all on, on Ornos. And we're seeing that even now, like, you know, there hasn't been that much activity on Ornos in 2023 right. in terms of, you know, what, what's possible, right? What, what we would think will come, you know, with, as creators. And it's, it's a learning project. Right? Creators are learning how to do, you know, basically, you know, Ornos, right? It's a new medium, right? You can't easily, you know, basically apply what you learned on Ethereum over it. You can right. somewhat because, you know, people have been doing innovative things on ethereum too so you know, that's kind of excitement for what's coming for for bitcoin so is it the history that you've had on bitcoin the reason why you are migrating on-chain monkeys to bitcoin oh yeah i mean i'm i've been in bitcoin a long time I, so I, so here's how i see the two chains i mean bitcoin is kind of the the chain that is best for store value and you know, for long-term value, like if you, and for a kind of very high value goods, I mean, it is based on proof of work. It is this, it's based on converting energy to, to a value, right? That That's like just pure physics, um, you know, how the universe works, right? You know, well, Ethereum is really, uh, you know, it, it is great with the smart contracting on the L1s and it has a lot of power, right? This Turing completeness. Um, and you can develop a, a lot of interesting things there. Um, uh, however, if you want to store something, let's say you have a million dollar NFT, if you want to store that, you know, for 10 years and you don't want to worry about it, you know, I think, you know, Bitcoin is the one where, you know, for store value, it makes, you know, a lot more sense. For example, like, you know, even just from the fungible token side of things, right? Like for long-term kind of store value, you know, I would think, you know, it's Bitcoin by design, because it is also kind of the drawback for Bitcoin is that. They don't uh, change the protocol or make upgrades or, or any change at all very easily. It's very stable though, it, and it's designed to be simple. Mm-hmm. So you can't also do very much 
on on Bitcoin's chain, mm-hmm. right? And but, but in terms of long-term kind of storage and security of your assets, I think that's what you want. Um, sure. But it's been kind of the downside of that is you know people have not been able to do actually you know cool things on Bitcoin for a number of years, and people moved away from it, right? And here because Ordinals is possible, uh, we, we actually see a lot of opportunity to do, you know, actually the cool things, mm-hmm. um, but also still have this long-term, you know, security. So, so that's what, um, you know, what I think is exciting. You, you mentioned that uh, it was it was going to take a million dollars to transition the Ethereum assets to Bitcoin. Why is that? Why is it a million? Yeah, I mean, it is. Uh, so, I think people also. Sometimes um, there's a lot of depth to what you could do with with Ornos and also what we've been doing with you know, OnChain Monkey. So the the process of this migration we've been working on for the last year on, on Bitcoin. Um, the and, and you know this 10k collection you know format is actually I think um, actually a, a great you know art form for crypto art and we saw it on Ethereum and I think now on Bitcoin it'll be one of those actually relatively rare things it's actually quite expensive to even create any 10k collection on on bitcoin mm-hmm. and to do kind of the innovative things we're pushing the boundary i think it it's yeah it's particularly um you know challenging to do so we've been actually working on it for a number of months to to get this out so i see yeah, it, and also to to do it in the way we want to do it 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 does cost a bit more i mean like for example, I mean, even the medium that we're using, you know, we're using block nine sats for a 10k collection. That that's also mm-hmm. a lot more than if we just did any 10k you know collection. I mean, which is already you know quite uh, expensive to do. I mean, look at the fees today, right? They're they're in the 60s, and we expect them you know probably to go up, you know, over the next year. So it is it is a uh, yeah one of those you know high high costs, but you know I think worth the expense to create, you know, something that's, you know, as durable and, and, you know, long lasting as a tank collection on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious about like a little bit more behind like the thesis and mission behind Metagood. Cause I see a lot of parallels, you know, your position on the specifically where you are with ordinals right now. I think like where like a dapper labs was like early Ethereum ecosystem. Like how, how what's your scope as far as like what you want to do to contribute to what's happening on this Bitcoin like builder space, is it purely art focused, or are you considering how do I how do we get like more like tokenomic ecosystem design uh, innovations in the books, or like you know how do we yeah. incorporate more no, web three gaming? Totally, I think yes, I think there are a lot of things that are possible. Um, I think it takes time though. Or you know, Ornos and recursive inscriptions, and you know, being able to basically run and execute. You know, programs on Bitcoin in Bitcoin's way, basically, you know, codes, code and inscriptions is executed on the client side, but you can still record state changes on chain, you know, with, with actually the, the upcoming SAT endpoint and, and re-inscription on SAT endpoints. Uh, you know, it'll open up basically a, a lot of applications that can be built on top of Bitcoin. Uh, but, you know, all those will, will take time for people to figure out how to use, you know, Bitcoin for this. Uh, and the starting point, I think, is, so, yeah, we are focused on art first because that, that actually is the easiest to understand, you know, digital artifacts on chain art. So, so, you know, in, in our own, like, and we're showing off with first, like how, what, what are some of the techniques, you know, through our own collections, like we launched, you know, OCM dimensions, you know, in the summer, 
with you know recursive inscriptions and then the, this 10k collection for genesis will show off some some other techniques but then for next year you know we'll, we'll be um pushing the oshora uh you know or knows you know marketplace for you know highlighting uh basically you know or knows uh related uh collections and art and and that you know will, will be kind of a both a marketplace and launch pad for for you know curated collections so you know definitely want to to see more you know more people coming to ordinals and, and you know developing on top of bitcoin mm-hmm. you know you know via these new basically these new um abilities that you can you can you know have on bitcoin that didn't exist a year ago mm-hmm. do you believe that uh that bitcoin can have like a robust development ecosystem um you know, with its, with its limitations or is Ethereum going to be the place where developers really have like really complex applications? So I think that the biggest limitation is really actually fees. Um, and that hasn't been a limitation until this year, right? Because fees were, were low, right. For, for much of, um, the last couple of years on Bitcoin. And that actually is where then we'll see people actually, you know, focusing more on l2s on bitcoin which you know has been kind of unimportant because you could just do everything on l1 mm-hmm. uh, in the past because fees were, were not high um I mean, and fees are still you know high and low high and low on bitcoin this year i mean there are opportunities where we have pretty low fees right even i think two weeks ago the fees were like three sats per v byte mm-hmm. right that's pretty pretty great right so so no i no the answer is yes i think there's gonna be a lot of opportunity for developers to, to build on, on bitcoin there's definitely you know, a lot more interest and, and money coming into basically this particular, you know, Bitcoin ecosystem of, you know, building, you know, applications, you know, building on Ornos, building on uh, Bitcoin as a, you know, data availability layer. You know, there, there are actually, I think, many, many options. And then actually as the L1 for future L2s, I mean, this push towards L2s has been actually on, on the Ethereum side too, right? Where, you know, Ethereum wants to, Ethereum is now you know more focused on the L2 way of growing versus you know, sharding the L1 layer on Ethereum, right? Which was kind of the original idea of mm-hmm. Ethereum, but now it's, it's, both Bitcoin and Ethereum are you know going towards this, this L2. So also you know great, I think great um opportunities for people working on on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's going to be important for like the early early developers to build L1 stuff so that. Maybe it makes sense to break Bitcoin first before there's like a real push to like start moving things to L2. Do you, do you think we got to break Bitcoin before we do that? Or should we as developers just start building on L2? Well, what I, I, I guess it, the breaking Bitcoin is kind of, a, it's a symbolic for a meaning, I guess, just really getting into Bitcoin and where Bitcoin gets more adoption, right? Where, where then you actually have to, Build more on top of Bitcoin, as in L2 is on top of Bitcoin, mm-hmm. uh, and it's but it's not really breaking Bitcoin. I and mean, Bitcoin as a store of value is is actually uh, further secured with you know higher fees because sure. the fees. I mean, the, when you say breaking Bitcoin, you, I think it really just means higher fees on, on Bitcoin. Correct. Correct. And that is a that means higher security on Bitcoin. So it's actually it, it's 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 breaking in the, I mean, it's really not breaking. It's actually sure. um, ma- making Bitcoin more secure, but 
also more expensive for people to use because it's more secure. Yeah, in and, a certain sense, it's the same way that uh, CryptoKitties kind of broke Ethereum, where it was unfeasible to kind of use Ethereum because it was so expensive. So it would be unfeasible to use Bitcoin for these uh, pictures, right? To mint, mint pictures or um, to do anything on Bitcoin because the fees are so high. That I guess what I'm trying to say, does it is it necessary to get to that point before developers would be like, well, I can't really have a business on layer one Bitcoin because, you know, maybe I'm running a, some sort of metaverse game where the, the, the fees can't be higher than the cost of the goods. Right. So, yeah. So I think it's, it's actually, a, a, I would argue it's a feature. So the fee market is actually working properly on, on Bitcoin and it's finding the right product market fit, right. For let's say if you're talking about art, art inscriptions, right. Or, or you know, you know, for, for digital art. Right. So five dollar, you know, postcards on Bitcoin is going to be a poor market, you know, product market fit because it's going to cost you fifty dollars to that's right to create a five dollars, you know, good. Right. So mm -hmm. um it, it's it's but there are there's a great product market fit for you know high end high value NFTs, right? And we see that on Ethereum and Bitcoin uh, like on Ethereum, right? Most of the revenue for the marketplaces and for you know for collecting too, right? They they come from very high value NFT collections, right? CryptoPunks, Sporty Yacht Club, uh, you know, Chromie Scribble, you, you name it. So that would be kind of the product market fit for for Bitcoin in particular, right? It wouldn't be the five dollar, you know, cheap NFT. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be kind of the the very you know high end expensive NFTs and ones that people spend a lot of effort to create too. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's all about product market fit. So if you're yeah. building something where you know, like you're saying, it's five bucks. That, that's not necessarily going to be the greatest experience on layer one, but it might make sense on, on layer two. Yeah. And, and even if, if Ordinals never was created, Bitcoin always had this issue, right? So Bitcoin was always going to be broken in that sense when you say break Bitcoin, because, sure. you know, anytime you have more adoption of Bitcoin, you break Bitcoin in the sense of high fees, sure. right? The fees on L1 are always going to go up. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So is there any, I guess, like, should there be any, like a consideration because I like, you know, Casey Rodimer has kind of gone on a, a personal mm. crusade to kind of like address these, these issues of bloat, I guess, specifically, oh, yeah. specifically with, with from the BRC 20, right? Yeah. Fungible yeah. tokens specifically. Cause he, he can kind of see with the looming, you know, uh, disruption that, that can cause, you know, and, um, it's kind of like appeasing a little bit to like the, the laser eye maxi crowd, right? Like, you know, cause who knows what that's well, going to do as far the, as the laser eye maxi crowd mm -hmm. actually also wants tokens on, on Bitcoin, right? If you talk to Michael Saylor, his yeah. dream is that securities, you know, and micro strategies trade on, on Bitcoin. And that mm -hmm. I, I agree with that. I, I think we do want more tokens on, on Bitcoin because yeah. tokens have value, mm -hmm. right? And to, and that, that's, I mean, that's also why Bitcoin has value, right? It's a token that people care about and there are other tokens that people care about mm -hmm. and you want people to be used and, people will pay the right fees to secure those on Bitcoin. And it, it all works out yeah. uh, in terms of the fee market. It's actually a really nice design. Uh, and I, I think Casey working on runes and then the BRC20, I think these are all, you know, synergistic to, to that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people are paying the fees to, to mint these, you know, all these random BRC20s. Yeah, so, are. you know, <laughs> the, it is helping to push, push the you know, technology forwards. All right, people are paying the miners too. So yeah, yeah. Did you always foresee that there is going to be this uh, this 
uptick in in like fees um, in, in the long term of Bitcoin, uh, let's say like in after 2140, when there's no reward for mining, did you did you anticipate this happening at, at least at a certain point within the next 120 years that fees would be able to support the security of Bitcoin? I think this having and the next having are actually the most critical for, for Bitcoin uh, because that's when the block reward basically drops to um, that, that level where you actually need fees to kick in hmm. to support the security of Bitcoin too. And, and yeah, I, I think we're basically, and we're seeing that happening with, with this particular uh, having coming up, we see more, more fees. And I think the transition from this having to the next having, you know, you know, four years further down the line will be kind of that critical time where, you know, Bitcoin really becomes, you know, sustainable from fees plus a decreasing, you know, exponentially decreasing, you know, block reward, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? But in the past is really all the, the block reward is all but sustained Bitcoin. I think we'll see fees sustaining Bitcoin, you know, in that transition period, this transition period in the next five years. Yeah, because I, I think the laser-eyed maxis had like a self-defeating, um, I guess, proposition for Bitcoin, a store of value. It's like typically you would buy a Bitcoin and you would hold on to it, right? And so you wouldn't trade it. There yeah. would be you no wouldn't pay the miners, right? Yeah. So miners got nothing from you. Right. Yeah. So, so eventually their thesis would just self-defeat itself. It's no longer a store of value if nobody's moving it and mm. the security can't support it. So, uh, so I think, you know, if, if you were a true laser eyed maxi, you'd be in support of ordinals, right? Wouldn't you say that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this idea of the block space being very valuable because it is very valuable. I mean, you, you have very limited block space. So people are paying for that block space every year, right? That, that's why ordinals is, is creating this fee demand, right? People are paying for block space hmm. and there's only so much block space. And the block space, storing this block space every year is, is super sustainable because there's, it's so limited. Uh, and so that, like the data that's stored in this block space is, you know, the most secure data. And it, it, these things kind of work together. So you, yeah. you can, you're, you're basically paying every year for basically more, more secure storage, mm -hmm. which is also securing the assets. Uh, you know, Bitcoin and other tokens are being created on, on you know, the Bitcoin blockchain. Right. I wonder if it wasn't for ordinals, you know, what would be the thing that would be, um, you know, require the demand for the fees, you know, what would it be? Yeah. I mean, well, there are other ideas too, in terms of, um, you know, one is just allocate more, you know, Bitcoin, right. Inflate and you know, cost have inflation to, to pay miners in the future. Um, hmm. or really, that was a real that. proposition. <laughs> really? That was a, that was an option. I think it had to be a consideration, right? In in, in context of yeah. the economic doom, the, the network will adapt. Yeah, I mean, yeah. because it, enough people have stake in this network, right, yeah. of Bitcoin, that yeah. they will figure out some solution. And it just right. happens, you know, we we're presented with the, you know, a possible solution, or at least something that goes towards this possible solution with, with Oranos. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Imagine <laughs> that update occurs, and now there's more than twenty one million. A possible Bitcoin. That would be, I don't know. It'd be, I feel like that'd be the end of Bitcoin. I, I feel like it. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't think it has to be that dramatic, dude. <laughs> the end of Bitcoin. But I mean, it's the end of, uh, I guess, like this um, very definitive, like narrative surrounding like the, 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 
you know, architected economic well, scheme of uh, the reason know, why I would say it'd be the end of Bitcoin is because the tokenomics didn't yeah. end up working out. It was like 21 million wasn't enough or mm -hmm. we didn't have a long enough runway. The, the original white paper, you mean, would yeah. be. Yeah. 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 I think it would disrupt confidence too in the security a bit. There, there yeah. has to be so many like economic adjustments just, just to maintain the, uh, I guess the incentive mechanisms. Yeah, and, and ultimately, if that scenario were to play out, it would just fork. I mean, people would just maintain the 21 million cap in one chain and hmm. and just, you know, have an inflation on, an, on another chain. Yeah. Right. Well, but, but people go after a chain that has the most security. So, That's right. you know, if, if there's nothing securing That's the true. one chain, then it yeah. would die off too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what we saw with, you know, the other forks of Bitcoin where right now there's still, there's one clear secure Bitcoin chain and others are, are, you know, much, much lower. Did you spend any time in, um, BSV, like looking into it or anything? No, I, I didn't work too much there. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious because, um, yeah, you we know, noticed a lot of these like ordinal ecosystem founders, they, they have like some roots or origins yeah. within that space, which makes sense, I guess, cause there is a little bit more like Developer development. Friendly. It was a development yeah, happening. Yeah, more development or also perhaps more open-minded, right? Mm -hmm. they, yeah. they, uh, they they tried something different in the past, and now there's an opportunity to try something different again. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the basically the ones who are like never trying anything different, then, yeah. you know, it, it, uh, it, it takes time to yeah. to get them, you know, to, to try the new thing, right? Ornos is a very new thing, right? It's not right. even at 1.0 release yet. Yeah, and there is definitely a bit of a learning curve that we, we're learning ourselves developing yeah. uh, for the ordinals and inscription, I guess, uh, frameworks, right? Like we've had to relearn a lot of things, actually just learn yeah. how Bitcoin works yeah. internally. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's just we had to do the same thing when we first kind of like began our Web3 journey on Ethereum. Right? Totally. Yeah. So. And, and even to use Bitcoin. I mean, prior to 2023, I could count the number of Bitcoin trans transactions I did in the last couple of years same because mm -hmm. there was no need right and you know this year it's like we've made thousands of bitcoin transactions each right so it mm -hmm. it is yeah that's great it, yeah, it's, it was... it's like night and day it's, it's kind of pretty amazing what cornos yeah. has, has brought i agree yeah i think uh I, I think it's definitely going to be one of the more interesting like developer spaces just because it's so i don't know like uh technically like like uh challenging i guess challenging. But, but like in a good way yeah. like you want to you want to like solve these types of issues because you want to create as much robustness as possible because we, we all see like the potential value of building an ecosystem on bitcoin right it's it's probably the biggest opportunity we could all like commit ourselves to yeah but yeah we all i think we all have that shared common like understanding like there's a lot of infrastructure left yeah right and um but th that is the opportunity, right? Be being able to contribute to something that that foundational, it's yeah, this it's is, appealing, right? This is huge because yeah. you know someone like like I man, like like personally myself, I like Bitcoin because of its elegance, and but yeah. I man, he wasn't that really that interested in like yeah that. I mean, there's nothing to me. It that. was just too boring yeah. at the time before <laughs> before or yeah, no, that, that, that's yeah. very fair. Yeah. Bitcoin is has had been quite boring. <laughs> and and now basically or and one of the i guess rallying cries for is you know ordinals are making bitcoin fun again right yeah, so totally and, and bitcoin was very fun you know 10 years ago i mean that was an exciting thing like what could you do with bitcoin everything was basically priced against bitcoin and yeah. you know people are working on well what, what could you do like bitcoin has a scripting language what could you do with that scripting language right and the last couple of years has been well ethereum has you know solidity programming like 
I need to, and like people were like, I need to hire solidity programmers because, you know, we're going to build all these cool smart contract things. And now it's like, well, you know, we want to hire people who understand, you know, Bitcoin PSBTs and, yeah, and yeah. you know, Bitcoin shipping language. And, you know, what could you do? Like, what, what kind of, you know, marketplace can you build from PSBTs? What kind of, uh, you know, inscriptions can you make with recursive inscriptions and combining with, you know, like different Bitcoin native things? Yeah. So, well, yeah. that's a good segue to talk about sort of your contributions to the Ordinals ecosystem. And, um, and these are contributions that we're leveraging ourselves in order to build, you know, the products for, for bitmap and things like that. Um, so do you want to go through some of the technical contributions that you and your team have, uh, contributed to the ordinals ecosystem and give us some, some details and examples? Yeah, I, I think the, so recursive inscriptions was one thing we, we championed, you know, early on, basically recognizing that actually, you know, doing code on inscriptions is, is really important. And then being able to leverage previously written code on, on Bitcoin, mm -hmm. uh, because Bitcoin block space is so, you know, basically uh, valuable and expensive, you want to be able to reuse, right? So recursive inscriptions ideas, uh, if you inscribe something once, then other inscriptions can actually use that data uh, in their inscriptions. And this is kind of like composability for, for programming or for, you know, for, um, like like in, in the blockchain space people talk about you know ethereum is composable and stuff like that so here you have it for ordinals and inscriptions that you know you can create you can inscribe something and then you can use it and so we also you know inscribe some of the kind of the useful libraries for art um yeah. or generative art so like you know 3.js p5.js we inscribe those and and we use those when when we uh, create our you know, ocm dimensions collection you know it, it was a 3d you know 3.js um, you know, you, um, enabled collection mm -hmm. and, and it kind of showed these powers of, of, you know, Bitcoin beyond just, you know, putting JPEGs on Bitcoin, which is, which is cool. I mean, that, that was kind of what got people going, right? Like, you know, yeah. we can actually now inscribe JPEGs, but now we can also inscribe code and then recursion, you know, makes the code a lot more powerful. So, you know, people can build complex applications and we're also seeing, you know, like, you know, 3d galleries and things that, that call on, you know, other inscriptions that, that show off the inscriptions That's inside right. that 3D gallery, yeah, which is really cool. Did uh, did you uh, intuitively know that that was possible? Um, you know, how how did you know that you could just call an inscription and, and leverage it in another inscription? So you could say that is actually a natural evolution of also coming from Ethereum, right? Ethereum, and then kind of doing, uh, you know, NFTs on Ethereum. You know, Ethereum is a pointer to something else and then yeah, like what we true with on-chain ethereum NFT, there's like pointers within the chain right so then it was natural on bitcoin to be able to do that mm. within the chain of bitcoin right so basically you could say recursive inscriptions are pointers within the chain mm -hmm. right of bitcoin so it's kind of a natural evolution of of any of this technology yeah that's an interesting way to look at it, it makes so much more sense now because ultimately all these inscriptions are just pointers except it's pointers on chain rather than to a server. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That, that makes And other idea actually coming from Ethereum is also the, the idea of a collection, right? An actual NFT collection, right? And when Ornos launched, it was, it's one big collection. Everyone is part of the Ornos, you know, collection, right? In inscription numbers were numbered, right? Mm -hmm. Sequentially. So everyone got their own number, but you couldn't create your own collection. And that was another idea that, you know, was also, I mean, Casey had thought of it too. He, he had this parent-child provenance idea uh, 
but that wasn't um, implemented yet. Like basically, Ornos was launched before this, the, like or, you know the protocol was finalized. So, so you know we were also pushing for the idea of a a collection standard that you could actually do you know collections, not just one collection, like one global Ornos collection. So, so you know we, we also pushed on the parent-child uh, collection provenance, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and that. It, I think was released just a couple of weeks ago officially in the you know ORD, the ORD you know, the ORD you know CLI yeah and and people are starting to use that yeah. and so the the space though like in terms of explorers and marketplaces right they're not using it just yet but the creators can start using it and what's nice about that is then the collections are recorded you know on chain you, you know like these you know these like set of inscriptions are all part of one collection which you know prior to that you didn't know how how people knew was or how people shared that information was really just off chain through you know csv files right of right. like oh these these hundred are one 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 collection yeah. so I, with that the parent child collection promise will be actually a, a big um benefit for for future creators yeah so yeah. i think those two are important important um, part of or knows yeah, for, for sure. I mean, uh, so, so thank you for, for those contributions because we're intimately using all these contributions that you've, you've, uh, you've bestowed onto, uh, to ordinals and, uh, they're very important because you establish on chain provenance with parent and child recursive inscriptions is sort of like a compression algorithm to a certain extent when, uh, when, when creating new ordinals. Um, so these are big, big things. And, um, are, are, do you happen to be working on any other uh, contributions to to ordinals that you think is necessary? Well, I, I'd say the the next big thing that, and it's not just us, and other people are waiting on it, is, is the rec basically the, the SAT endpoint. So then, when you use it with recursion, uh, basically uh, you can record changes of state. You also, you can also create you know dynamic entities and a, a bunch of things um, with the the SAT endpoint. So. I believe that that's coming out pretty soon. Do you want to go yeah. just a little bit more detail as to what that is and like how 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 do you use a SAT endpoint? Yeah, so this has to do with SAT numbers too, which is actually an interesting thing. Uh, I think for many new people who know about NFTs but are just learning about Ornos, like there's actually all these terms that are pretty confusing. So so yeah, and we're talking about recursive endpoint. That's another new term. Uh, so, I mean, there's the SAT, right? There's the Toshi, and then there's the ordinal. Um, so every every SAT has a ordinal number, or you just call them SAT number. And so you can reference, and, and the SAT or the Satoshi is what you can own, right, by the Bitcoin ledger. And whether you follow ordinals or not, right, people own their Satoshi using the, the standard Bitcoin ledger. Um, mm -hmm. And so by referencing a SAT in your inscription, which is the, the SAT endpoint I'm talking about, um, you can, I guess the other thing I, I didn't talk about is inscri so inscriptions. So, so you own the inscription via a SAT. So mm -hmm. a given SAT actually can have multiple inscriptions on it. Uh, and this also is something that people have not done too much experimenting on for, so, so like basically for a given SAT that you own, you know, you can describe it once or twice or three times. You can describe it many times and. And that often gets confused with, well, I thought Bitcoin block space was limited. How can you have infinite number of inscriptions on a SAT? Well, every inscription uh, uses the same resources, whether you put it on this SAT or another SAT or, or put two inscriptions on one SAT. It, it's a cost of two inscriptions. So 
Reinscribing does not mean you're you're somehow creating new space on Bitcoin. It's the same space. Uh, you're just making another screen. But the address of the description is on that same stack. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you do things this way, it's actually you have another layer of programmability um, because the SAT endpoint is the thing that uh, basically you know, one person owns with the same same address, which is set, the SAT. Mm -hmm. And you can let you change things, or rather not change things, but create new things on the same SAT. Also, inscriptions are immutable, so they never get changed. Um, but basically, the 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 inscription on a given SAT the latest one changes, right? Because if you, you, you can start with, basically when you describe a staff for the first time, it's basically, it's, let's say you think about it in terms of like building building a tower. Mm -hmm. You inscribe the ground floor of that, sure. um, that sat, right? Then if you re-inscribe it, you're, you're inscribing the, the, the floor on top, but the ground floor never changes. It's still the same inscription there. Mm -hmm. But with the sat endpoint, then you can point to any floor or you could point to the latest floor. And that's one of the powers of the SAT endpoint. So you could have, you can create an inscription that just points to the latest floor of, right. of that SAT. I see. And so that allows the, the creator or whoever is um, basically updating the, or creating inscriptions on that SAT endpoint, um, or has a power to create inscriptions for a given SAT. Or you could say the owner, so, so you need to be the owner of a SAT sure. also to inscribe on it. So. If you have, so I guess, let me name, I, I explain, I guess, a lot of concepts all in one. So it might be hard to understand. Um, but the, 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 the general, like, new concept that could be done with the SAT endpoint is you could do dynamic NFTs. That, that's one. Or you could record changes of state in applications. That's another. So those two powers will be yeah. uh, very, very much used. That makes sense. So basically, if you have, uh, let's say, just a simple game and uh, you have a sword and there's three levels to the sword, right? And uh, so you can inscribe the three different levels to the sword. And then in the game's logic, you can point to the different levels based on what your character has done in the game, right? You could do something like that. It, basically, you can reference different levels of a given stat. Yeah. Uh, with the stat endpoint. And that, that's a powerful new feature. It doesn't seem like much um, just from hearing about it. But when people start, developers start thinking about what you could use or what you could develop with that 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 added tool is actually quite powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just, just like with, you know, recursive inscriptions, it actually sounds pretty simple. We just point to another thing, but actually it's super powerful. So agreed. So yeah, we'll see a lot of, a lot of this, you know, new, new types of inscriptions coming out mm -hmm. with those features. Yeah. And the thing that we're, so we've been spending a lot of effort doing, you mentioned the, the kind of middle of our move of, of, you know, getting our collection over. So our 10 K Genesis inscription will use some of these features too. I mean, actually, I mean, all of them, it'll have a lot of these, you could say, you know, Bitcoin native uh, techniques and mm -hmm. yeah, looking forward to showing that off. Is there like a limit at all to like what, <laughs> what we can continue to come up with as far as like inscription rule sets or inscription, I guess like individual components that eventually end up like a library of standards. Like, I mean, at some point, does this all lead to, we could, program anything mm -hmm. right like uh, onto bitcoin i mean I've, I've seen you know like the concept of bit vm like out there like a uh, bitcoin becoming a yeah. virtual machine very exciting you know yeah. bit, things like bit vm and rollups are very exciting uh i, I think it'll take time so mm -hmm. you won't see that overnight like yeah it won't come out next week mm -hmm. uh but yeah in the next 
next year or a couple of years, it's going to show a lot of power for Bitcoin. Yeah. Speaking of power, I have a question. What What's your take on Casey Rotermore's power in terms of like, let's say you, you made these contributions or you have parent child, you have recursive inscriptions. How much do you have to depend on Casey to make that update on the org client? Yeah. So th there, I guess that has changed over the year, the course of the year. Right. So obviously, you know, right when Ornos launched, right. Kind of all the power rested in Casey, right. It, it, it is his, you know, his work, right. On, on Bitcoin. Uh, now that the Orno protocol is a lot more understood and a lot more people are working on it. Uh, it is, I mean, and, and he said himself, right. In, in many of the recent spaces, right. How he listens to the community and, you know, it's, it's not his will anymore, right. On the Orno's protocol. It's really, you know, what, uh, you know, what the community wants and the community already understands kind of what the Orno protocol on the, the core Orno protocol is. Right. And then, we're we're just and also the things i mentioned these are already uh, you know been developed you know by casein and others you know over the last few months and it's really i say the power of casey is just kind of the timing of when it's finally finalized and released right like the, kind of the final blessing right that mm -hmm. that that um that when i say but i mean the time when basically also the curse inscriptions and all these things will, will mostly be be gone right there's going to be pure, like a block height activation Mm -hmm. at some point where we're going to have the 1.0 release mm -hmm. and that's going to be you know relatively soon either around the end of the year or early next year i think that that's kind of the the you could say the the great launch of, of orinos right the 1.0 release mm -hmm. and, and that's also when you know a lot more companies and institutions will will feel very comfortable with orinos i think right now i think your, your question has some merit on that people are still worried about kind of the power that casey has over it mm -hmm. but that that is I, I'd say I, I'm not worried because I see this 1.0 release coming up and it's pretty clear, you know, what, what Ornos is. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's basically, you know, something that is already well established as what the protocol is. And then the, the work to get it to the 1.0 release is, is what's left. And, and basically that's pretty much a, a bite-sized, you know, chunk of work that's, that's happened or getting executed, sure. you know, as we speak in the next few weeks. Yeah, I guess I'm wondering, um, you know, the, the reconciliation of, let's say, a developer comes in, looks at the 1.0 Ord client and says, you know what, I think I can do this better and add other features. So do, do you think, it, I guess explain how this is going to work. If uh, you come up with a better update right. version. So how do we do basically like BIPs with Oranos, right? right? Like, you know, the Bitcoin improvement proposals. Exactly. I mean, how do you do a, how, how does it? Um, advance afterwards, right? In right. a decentralized or in a an optimal way. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I would say. Well, first, I, I don't think there needs to be too much change after the 1.0 release. So it's going to be probably um, one where, yeah, it, you won't see too many changes. And then w when you see changes, uh, then yeah, it'll be debated by the community uh, probably for quite quite a bit before any changes are made. Okay. And then. Yeah, that, that actual process for upgrading, you know, just like with Bitcoin, the process for you know, the previous Bitcoin upgrades were very messy and long and takes, takes a, or rather time consuming. And a lot of people, you know, are, you know, get up in arms and, but, but, you know, you know, debate on it. I mean, the Ornos to me has been actually very healthy in how they debate things yeah. and, and they discuss. 
uh, improvement. So, and I'm quite optimistic in how uh, you know this this protocol can can advance post 1.0 release. Yeah, everything's been going pretty smooth uh, with the comments on on GitHub and all that. So, I, I think um, you know in the future that's probably going to continue just because it's just more organized there. Uh, so Danny, we got a few more minutes. Do you want to talk about anything that's coming up that you got that you want the audience to know about and, uh, or anything special about what's coming up? Yeah. So we are, we've been really busy working on, you know, OCM Genesis, which is, you know, our 10 K collection. Uh, I think, you know, I, I'm quite fascinated by the 10 K, uh, collection art form at, you know, crypto art. Uh, it has a lot of you know, special, the, the 10 K form, right. has. And basically, those are like that forum has kind of driven NFT adoption. Like that, this is the highest value and highest volume of NFTs, right? On on Ethereum and on Bitcoin, I think it's going to be quite special too because it's going to be one that is quite expensive to to pull off, and it's also one where it's and you can have different types of 10Ks. I mean, you can have 10K of awards, right? Which is its own thing um but you know, like the 10k image collection i think is is you know pretty special as, as an art form and you know we've been focused on you know our 10k basically art of ocm genesis on on bitcoin so we're near completion of that that's been actually many months of work so we, we are excited to show that off and you know it'll be some of the kind of the, the bitcoin native features of it would be that you know it's done on Block nine stats, which are special, you know, for historic reasons mm -hmm. of of ordinals. Um and also, you know, doing parent child as you know, using that that uh, provenance feature, and and you know, these these are all kind of also challenging to do on for for a ten k collection because it is so large uh, for the the way that you have to create you know parent child collections, and and then also you know we we did on sequential stats. To really highlight the number, like the token number of the Genesis collection, like, you know, like mine, my Genesis is number three, so it's on a SAT that the last five digits they all get zeroed out, and then it'll be zero 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 three. Mm -hmm. So you can you can tell you know, you know which Genesis is inscribed on that SAT very clearly. And we also did reinscription, so that's another thing that we did where we inscribed the Tenke collection of Genesis. We then reinscribed a 10K Journey of Art collection on the same SATs. Mm -hmm. So there are, you know, two collections that, and, and that 10K Journey of Art collection is not just any one. It's actually one that we inscribed. Uh, so, so Genesis was when we inscribed the art on Bitcoin mm -hmm. in February. And then in March, we inscribed this Journey of Art collection. And it is one that uses the DNA or the traits of Genesis to create this abstract art. Mm -hmm. And so the, the two fit together very nicely on this mm -hmm. app that we did this 10K collection on. So, so. That, that brings up another another question. So a lot of the provenance work that you did w with your collection, like a parent child and um, how, you, you did this in February before things were like solidified, right? So- That's right. It, it, and it took basically, you know, from February until now, right? November, so nine months to actually, um, you know, f f finish or complete, right? This this collection, because the, the Oros protocol, you know, we had to also work with the Oros protocol, 
to, to make it possible to do these things. Okay. So, so the actual like inscriptions were completed in February and were, were you? So the images were inscribed in February, right? The, the actual, uh, saps and from block, block nine, right. Are inscribed now that do you know, recursion to get the images from the February and March inscriptions gotcha. and also parent child for the provenance of the February and March inscriptions. Gotcha. Okay. That makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. So basically you leverage being super early as uh, you know, your, your early inscriptions and then you just kind of point back to it and say, you know, we were, you know, at least February early, which is huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and then we can yeah. leverage basically the, the Basically, you know what we we're talking about with how how to how to use Bitcoin right in this yeah. efficient way, and also if, you know way in, in the future when mm -hmm. when fees are high, right? Fees are going to be you know above a hundred SAS per fee byte, right. you know next year probably for many long stretches of time. So it's going to be quite interesting to see. Have you heard from any other like Ethereum ecosystem NFT founders who are kind of like they're watching what you're doing with on-chain monkeys and? maybe like waiting on the sidelines to see how everything rolls out and maybe, you know, they want to kind of follow in your footsteps. Have you heard anything like that? Yeah. And in fact, the way we're doing the migration, we're, we're actually creating a uh, Ethereum smart contract interface hmm. to make the Teleburn provenance very clear. Mm -hmm. uh, because right now the Teleburn provenance is more clear on the Bitcoin side because, you know, Casey added the Teleburn address for Ethereum directly on Ornote.com, right? So very inscription, you can see the Ethereum address. But on the Ethereum side, if someone actually did the Teleburn, it just looks like on OpenSea, if you look, it just looks like someone sent the NFT to some other address. Mm -hmm. It's not super clear. In fact, it's not clear at all that it was Teleburn. So, so yeah, we're, we're adding basically some tools on, on both chains to make it um, more clear from a promise perspective and easier for future creators to do this. Sure. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Uh, so there's a couple of things. Uh, I want to have you come back on to talk about all these other aspects. I wanted to talk about bitmap. I wanted to talk about this, this uh, digital matter theory that we're kind of like kind of building to a certain extent. Um, it it kind of leverages on-chain data to create, um, you know, new tokens, fungible and non-fungible tokens based on Bitcoin's block data. And I think there's one other thing that I wanted to, to talk to you about. Um, I can't think of it, but but Danny, I want to thank you so much for joining us. This has been an absolute pleasure kind of getting the history yeah. of on-chain monkey. And I'm really like, uh, hoping you continue like to find your next, I guess, paradigm yeah. uh, project to tackle. Cause it seems like anything you dip your toes into, you're like, you're pushing like the, the boundaries of innovation forward Yeah, for all of us really. Yeah. So it's like, you know, never stop doing what you do because, you know, I think the whole space is it's better because of it. Yeah, correct. So I think it's a, it's tremendous what you've done so far as from like, from a, you know, human achievement perspective. Yeah. And yeah, I think you deserve a lot of credit for that. You know, maybe in the future, once we all look back and this thing is like a multi-billion dollar ecosystem, yeah. we're like, Hey, how did all this happen? I think a lot of fingers are going to point back to, uh, you know, what, what you guys have done as a, as a team and yeah specifically all these new uh, little components that, you know, developers like us get to leverage as a result. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for having me on it. No, it's all of us who are building in the space now. And mm -hmm. definitely these are kind of exciting early days, you know, for a protocol. So, so yeah, thanks again for having me on. No, I appreciate you. Um, all the links will be in the description guys. Thank you guys for watching. Um, so, so yeah, Danny, uh, we're going to hit you up to come back on, talk about uh, the actual 
migration yeah, and get, get uh, deep into the data layer for sure and and talk about other stuff that's happening on on bitcoin because mm-hmm. there's a lot yeah all right danny thank you so much we'll, ca- we'll catch you soon man thank you for listening to the block runner podcast make sure you visit our website theblockrunner.com and sign up to stay up to date on the latest in crypto also reach out to us on twitter at the block runner <laughs>